Well, that was a fitting choir song for this morning because it's talking about standing, standing for the Lord, uh, standing on uh, solid things, the rock, God's word. Paul's going to talk to Timothy about standing strong. We're coming to the last two verses of the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 20 and 21. Uh, we'll complete our study of this book. So let's stand as we read these final two verses and the instructions Paul has to Timothy about standing. Verse 20, Paul says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all your word. Every book is rich. Uh, thank you for 1 Timothy, the letter given by Paul to this faithful servant. We've learned so much. And Lord, we just pray we take the final two instructions that we would follow them as Timothy so was instructed, that they be part of our lives, our makeup, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Please, please be seated. We're going to say that these two final instructions uh, really are words of tender counsel and also they're words of a tough commission. And we look at verse 20, we see the tenderness of two words, O Timothy. Uh, they, they say so much. There's a lot of warmth in that word, O. O Timothy. It's a word that an angel used when he spoke to Daniel. And he would say, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. It's a word used by David when he wept over his dead son. O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. It's a word used by Jesus over his precious, beloved city, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Paul loved Timothy. Uh, he invested a lot into him. In fact, if you just, that next letter he's going to write in 2 Timothy, if you look at the second verse as he begins that book, he'll say to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, so he knew Timothy well, knew his strengths, his weaknesses. He wanted the best for Timothy. And he wanted Timothy to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with his best. Oh, Timothy. So we see his name, Timothy. Now it comes from two words. Uh, one word means to honor. Theos, the other word means God. So his name literally, literally means he who honors God. And Paul here at this closing instruction wants Timothy, reminds him of his name, that he would honor God. 
be true to that name. Then he goes into the instructions, and he instructs Timothy to honor God by stepping away from certain things. Now we're going to look at the other one that he needs to keep, but I want to look first at what he needs to step away from, certain practices. He says, avoiding profane and vain babblings. And that word, of course, avoid means to turn away from, to shun, to not associate with. And he's to turn away from profane and vain babblings. So he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, step away from the profane. That means to be trodden. Uh, it, it describes a threshold. You know, every time you go into your house, uh, we're stepping over a threshold. We walk on it all the time. And that's what that word profane means, to be trodden like a threshold, unhallowed. It is devoid of godliness. Esau, of the Old Testament in Hebrews, he, he, he's called profane because he had no interest in the things of God. In fact, Esau only cared about his stomach. He sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. Our world is full of godless stuff. Profane stuff. Stuff that just, we just need to walk over like a threshold. Nothing special about it. And then he says, step away from vain babblings. Vain means empty, literally empty voices. Uh, that describes a good portion of social media, doesn't it? <laughs> a lot of it's just vain. Empty. Empty discussions. Talk about nothing. Uh, he says, Timothy, step away from that. And then he says, step away from false knowledge and oppositions of science falsely so-called. i got to watch where I walk here. I'm going to triple or something. You guys are watching to see if I do that, aren't you? That word science uh, comes from a word gnosis. We're familiar with that. Simply means knowledge. Uh, it has a definite article, so Paul is referring to some specific knowledge, a particular knowledge. Uh, gnosis, knowledge, of course, would be an identifying mark of the Gnostics that are really going to emerge in the second century. A little bit later on, they will be a, a real serious enemy of the church, but they're, uh, the seeds of it are starting to show up, and Paul will deal with it in Colossians. And we see the Gnostics were claiming a superior knowledge that was being used to contradict the doctrines of the Bible. They're saying, well, we got special knowledge, we have an insight, special revelation, and all of it ran counter to the Bible. And, and we're living in a time like that. Gnosticism is not dead. It, it's still out there. But we have a society that is claiming a special knowledge that completely counters the Bible. I mean, we, we're hearing today, we have superior knowledge of the origins of man and where we come from, billions and billions of years, and all the hocus-pocus of evolution goes with it. Completely counters the Bible. We hear today of a superior knowledge of what a family and marriage is, and, and they've changed what it's been for 
centuries, millennia, changing the biblical format. Because we have a special knowledge and, and we understand more than what they did in the past. Well. Or we have a superior knowledge over about a woman's health. That's her right to do with her body, including her unborn child. Step away from superior knowledge that counters the Bible. And that's what Paul's talking to Timothy about. I like how Clarence Jordan translates this in the cotton patch. He says, don't get bogged down in the muddle-headed spoutings and fancy froth parading under the name of higher learning. Well, that's good, isn't it? He says, some people have gone for that junk and have really messed up their Christian faith. Well, you buy into that stuff, it will. It'll do that. John Phillips points out, the devil goes after the mind. And he is. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote those believers. He says, but if our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Uh, so, so he's busy. He's standing behind false teaching and all this new superior knowledge that comes out. And you need to remember what Jesus called the devil. A liar. He said he's been like that from the beginning. There's no truth in him. So he's a master deceiver. And he is making his final run. And he's going to try to take everybody he can. So don't buy into that. Step away from stuff that just counters the Bible. Don't buy into it. Put on the armor of God. Then we'll, I want to look at the other one, the other instruction to keep that which is committed to thy trust. Here's the tough commission. Uh, Berkeley words it, guard the deposit. Connie Bear words it, guard the treasure which is committed to thy trust. Weymouth puts it, guard the truths entrusted to you. So we're talking about, you know, all the things Timothy's been instructed. Really, basically, God's Word. The faith. The doctrines. God's Word. And Paul is saying, Timothy, keep that. Those have been committed to your trust. Keep them. Uh, your translation may have guard them. It's, it's a, a word that means uh, to guard, to keep watch, to beware. Greeks used it in a military context. So it can picture a soldier who is on guard duty. And you take a soldier that's on guard duty, they have one purpose only. They're to guard what they've been assigned to and entrusted to their care. Uh, that may be watching the perimeter, the fences, making sure things are secure, the doors and the gates, that everything is locked. 
They're patrolling, they're looking for unauthorized people that may be there that shouldn't be, or enemies trying to sneak in. So a soldier is focused. And Timothy is to guard the truth, <coughs> doctrine, word of God entrusted to him. A serious responsibility for him and, and for us. How can we guard the treasure of truth, the word of God? How do we do that? Let me give you uh, some, some insights about how we do that. We can guard the treasure of God's word first by believing it. That's where it starts. Uh, everything starts here. If we don't believe God's word, we'll not treasure it. We've got to believe it first. If we don't believe God's word, I mean, then the Bible becomes the same as any other book. There is no difference. But this book is different. It's special. It's, it's not like any other book. In, in the lunchroom at uh, University High School, the counselors, they brought in a little book cart. And they must be unloading their personal libraries because they put a little note on there, free books, take what you want. And it's all these stupid counseling books and how to relate to people and and, 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 I mean, stuff that is really ancient, too. I mean, I don't know where they got these things. And they just got these little book cart filled with that stuff. Nobody takes anything. I mean, it's just useless junk. They should have just dumped it in the dumpster. And that's what other books are like. They cannot compare to the living word of God's word. And we have to believe it. It is different. They're living words, worthy of belief, worthy of trust. In John 8, Jesus has a knockdown, drag out, verbal exchange with the Jews, the Pharisees. And towards the end of that uh, discussion, Jesus says, And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. And that was their problem. They didn't listen to a thing he said. And they argued with him over everything. Uh, Paul, he commended the Thessalonians because they did believe God's word. If you just turn back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. He says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, other books, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Uh, so there's, there's a blessing in recognizing and believing God's word. 
So we, we guard, we keep God's word, and it starts with belief. That's where it has to start. A, a second way to guard the treasure that's given to us is honoring the word. Job, in, in his book, he, he, he says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed his words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You hear that? Job said, I am placing higher position on God's word than my necessary food. Now that's really serious when we place God's word above our stomachs. That gives it a place of honor. At the feeding of the 5,000, when Mark gives that account, it's interesting that people hear about Jesus out kind of in a desolate place, and they all go out, and Mark tells us uh, Jesus had compassion on them, and he begins to teach them. And, it, and Mark says they stayed there, and, and they didn't move, they didn't want to leave. And they just stayed there listening to the teaching of Jesus. In fact, it got late in the day and the disciples became concerned and they said to Jesus, Jesus, send them away. It's getting late. These people are going to starve. There's nothing out here. And of course, that's when he fed the 5,000. But they were so enmeshed in, in, in what Jesus was teaching that they would stay there until they starved. Feeding the 5,000 takes place. So we guard it by believing it. We guard it by honoring it. Uh, we guard, guard it by loving his word. I want you to turn back to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. And of course, this whole psalm just deals with God's word. And, and look at the love the psalmist has for the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 97. He says, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. You look at verse 113. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Uh, verse 119. Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore I love thy testimonies. 127. Therefore I love thy commandments above gold. Yea, above fine gold. 159. Consider how I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord. Then 163. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. 
And verse 167, My soul hath kept thy testimonies, I love them exceedingly. Uh, he loved God's word. And we have to have a love for God's word. We'll, we'll guard it like we should. I mean, how much do we love God's word? You know, they say there's uh, three relationships to God's word that we have. Uh, there's what we call the cod liver oil stage. Uh, now, some of you older people, you know what that's talking about. That used to be, I guess, frightful medicine. Uh, that grandma would give you to cure any and everything. We never got that stuff, so thankful for that. So some approach God's word like it's, you know, medicine, tough to take. Then there's what we call the shredded wheat stage. Dry but nourishing. Uh, you know, some people say, well, it's just dry stuff. We just suffer through it. Or that we come to the point where we see God's word as peaches and cream. I think that's where a good portion of you guys are at. Peaches and cream. Uh, we just love it, man. It's just like having dessert. Uh, stuff that we love, we guard. We'll treasure. We'll keep. So we do it by loving God's word. Uh, fourth way is by obeying the word. In uh, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, there we find the Sermon on the Mount, body of, great body of the teaching of Jesus. And he ends that teaching with the story of two men that build houses on two different kinds of ground. That's how he ends that teaching. Jesus says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these things of mine, these sayings, all that he taught. And doeth them, that's the key, doeth them, obey. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. <coughs> and the guy that hears but doesn't do them builds on the sand. And we know what happens. Fifth, we guard and treasure God's word by proclaiming it. I mean, if you just look at the next page in 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 2. Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Best way to guard God's word? Make it public. Put it out there. Preach it to believers, preach it to the lost. Uh, Jesus began his ministry, Mark tells us, Jesus came into Galilee Preaching the gospel, the kingdom of God. Preaching. Yeah, I love preaching. I love to listen to good preaching. And we need to proclaim the word. I mean, we don't need to proclaim fads or trends. 
No, we just need to proclaim God's word. That, that's the star. That's how we keep it. That's how we guard it. Give it center place. Preach it. <coughs> proclaim it. Now, I like to listen to preachers. I like good preaching. Uh, so I think some of the best preaching that takes place is in some of our unknown small churches where we got a faithful pastor that prepares a message each week. And they just bring some really good stuff right out of God's Word. And I listen to some of these guys on TV that have huge ministries. And when I listen to them, sometimes they are really empty of God's Word. I listened to one guy preaching one time. It was 20 minutes before we heard a verse from the Bible. That's not keeping God's Word. Proclaim it. And then six, by defending the Word. We guard it. Uh, Paul told the Philippians that they would be one mind striving together for the gospel. Jude, he writes in his book, contend for the faith. And we're in a time that needs Christian apologetics. Uh, we need to be uh, prepared. Know what we believe. Know how to defend it and present it. Proclaim God's word. Be able to share who Jesus is and the truth and evidence for what, who he is and his word. I mean, there's just lots of things out there. Uh, William Craig says false ideals are the greatest obstacle to the reception of the gospel. And we need to counter it with truth. Uh, read Lee, Lee Strobel, Case for Faith, and other guys like that. Ravi Zacharias. Get prepared. <coughs> Defend it. And then uh, we guard it by studying it. Uh, later in 2 Timothy, second chapter, verse 15. Paul says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. Read God's word. Study it. Ponder it. Meditate. Memorize it. Daily. What a privilege that is. In Revelation 3, in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, we find the letters to the seven churches. <clears throat> Chapter 3 relates to what we're looking at. Paul's told Timothy, keep what has been entrusted to you. And in chapter 3 of Revelation, Jesus says unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, 
These things saith he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works. That thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard. Hold fast. Repent. Therefore thou shalt not watch, I'll come like a thief. But notice that. Watch. Remember what you've received. And watch. It, what's interesting, Sardis uh, sits like a giant watchtower geographically watching over uh, the Hermes Valley. It's just uh, like a, a citadel there. And it was a city in the past that was powerful, prestigious. It only fell twice in battle to Cyrus of Persia and to the Greeks. When Cyrus came, he laid siege to Sardis. And they were looking for a way that they could take that city. His soldiers noticed that it was just on an impregnable fortification high up. They noticed one of the uh, guards of Sardis dropped his helmet, rolled down the, the cliff a little ways, and they watched how he went down to get it. They said, there may be a way right there. So that night, he sent some men up. And they were able to come to the door, the gate of Sardis. And there was no guard there. They were so confident, no one could get up to them. They didn't set a guard. They weren't watching. And Cyrus of Persia took Sardis. And later on, the Greeks would do the same exact thing. No guard. And so Jesus says to this church, watch. Remember what you've received and hold fast and guard it. Be on the lookout. Be diligent. Take those things and guard it with trust. Standing on God's grace. As Paul ends it, grace to you. Amen. We're going to bring our team back up. I have decided to follow Jesus. Maybe this morning you need to do that. Has God been touching a heart and saying, you need to hold fast to what I've been teaching. You need to hold fast to my word. You need to be faithful. You need to step away from these other things that are coming in. It shouldn't be there. You come, the altar's open. Let's stand as we sing, I have decided to follow Jesus.